We're going to roll to topic number one, and that's creation, which also coincides with the first topic in Core 52. And uh, to get us ready for that, I'd like to talk for a moment about movie remakes, because these days it seems like all that's coming out, and I'm by no means a movie buff or TV guy, um, but I know that it seems like a lot of new TV shows and a lot of new movies are simply remakes of things that were good when I was growing up. Everything from like, you know, the Wonder Years to um, Space Jam to those nerdy comic book movies that just keep cycling like the same thing. And I know that a lot of you are comic book fans and like the movies and whatever and good for you. I've never watched any of them, but they keep coming in. And, and, and I listen to the, to the feedback and um, it, it seems like they generally get bad feedback. Nobody likes the idea of remakes, uh, especially <clears throat> when they reinvent the original intent. Like when the remake is somehow completely uh, redone in a way that doesn't even align with the original work of art. Now. Let me give you a specific example. This is from a while ago, but the only one relevant to me, and so that's all that really matters. I was a, a big Godzilla fan growing up. I would watch those movies on, you know, Son of Ghoul and all, you know, they'd have the, the Godzilla versus Mothra. And, and my buddy Chad was an enormous Godzilla fan. <clears throat> so I'm in the movie theater with my new girlfriend, Kelly, uh, who was my first girlfriend and my only girlfriend, and we've been married now for 22 years, and she had drugged me to some terrible movie, um, but I was new to the whole dating realm, so I you know, just went along, and uh, it was like Father of the Bride or something awful. And, and um, the theater, go, the, the, the trailers are rolling forever, and then it fades to black, and all of a sudden... There's the Godzilla, you know, the Godzilla scream. And my heart's just like, doo, 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 doo. they're, they're going to remake God, Godzilla. And then that comes up on the screen, and it's like coming fall of 1998 or whenever it was in 1998. And I was all excited, and I got back to the dorm. <clears throat> I called my buddy Chad, and I was like, have you been to the movies lately? Did you see? He's like, Godzilla? Yeah, I, I, he said that the, the, the scream came on, and I just, I just stood up and, and, and pointed to the screen. <laughs> and so later, I think it was, you know, 1998, the movie came out, and I can't remember whether I drugged Kelly there or I went with some other guys from the college. I don't think I went by myself. Uh, which is completely fine if you're into going to movies by yourself, just not... I like to go to dinner by myself or lunch by myself, but we couldn't go to a movie by myself. Um, anyway, because that's relevant for some reason. So I go and I watch it, and it's a movie about a dinosaur. They took the monster element out of it that's about a dinosaur on the loose. And this like seems like like there's a helicopter scene where they're trying to find this this dinosaur and this helicopter's flying low around weaving around and I'm like just don't you rise up above the building and that's bothered me for decades. Um, but anyway, it's terrible, traumatic, traumatically awful. I was like that that really that's Godzilla, a dinosaur, Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's that's Godzilla, and. 
And I got home, back to the dorm, called my buddy Chad. He's like, did you see Godzilla? He's like, yeah. I was like, what'd you think? How'd you like it? He, and I'll never forget the way he's like, not very well. Like, I just I remember the way he said that, not very well. <clears throat> they, they, they took the whole intent and, and, and tried to some, somehow, I'm, no need to speculate on the Godzilla remake. It just wasn't anything like the original. And, and that's where, when we get to the creation story of the Bible, I think a lot of people have a tendency to try to take it and, and mine it and, and interpret it in ways that it was never intended to be mined and interpreted. And so we try to read it for science, but it's not about that. Because 4,000 years ago, people weren't real concerned about DNA. They wouldn't have anything to do with that. That's like for us now, our, our brains and, 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 and the adventure now. I think that, that God knew that one day we would get to where we could begin to explore science. But there were other things that people were concerned about 4,000 years ago. And so, I think there's a real problem when we try to make it fit. Or, when, when science, because there's this, there's this thing I see in science, where I, I'm all for science, the, the exploration of, of creation and how things work and, 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 and um, uh, the intricacies of, of the universe and, and all that. I think it's, it's very, very good. But there's an element uh, in, within science or where some scientists uh, make it their agenda to remove the creator from creation. And for me, that's not real science. That's, that shouldn't be a goal of science. But, but a lot of my, my Christian friends are frustrated by that. And so they write off a lot of science altogether because for them, science is like a witch hunt against God and against the Bible. And it never should be that. Like, like um, for me, if you conclude it's not rational to believe that something created something out of nothing, it is, however, extremely rational to believe nothing created something out of nothing. You're making just as big of an irrational leap as anyone who chooses to put their faith in the something that created something out of nothing by saying nothing created something out of nothing. And, and it's also my experience that most people with the agenda to disprove God, that's coming from a place of wounding. Um, somehow something killed that faith that there is purpose behind all this. And so while science set out, sets out to answer the how, what I can help with through Scripture is the why. Not how we're here, but why we're here. And I think that when we begin to look at the creation story of the Bible, we get to the author's intent, the artist's intent, the creator's intent, and that is to answer the why. Why are we here? I don't think Genesis 1 is really dealing with the how. I think it's dealing with the why. And what you get in the first three chapters of the Bible are an inexhaustible 
treatment of why, because there are themes of, of, of why and, and of, of what it means to be human and, and, and what God is like and how we're supposed to interact with God and where it all went wrong and, and even incredibly deep themes in psychology that modern day psychology is just now catching up with. And it's all right there in the first few chapters of the Bible. So what I'd like to do over the next few minutes is just kind of look at the first chapter of the Bible and, and a few concepts and, and whereas maybe a lot has been done to, um, um, I don't know, separate out the creation story from its original intent, I'd like to try to reconnect and see the creator within the creation. And there's lots more you can do with Genesis 1. And if you check out Core 52, or as I wrote, um, Core 25 up there, just to see if anybody noticed. Um, well, uh, there's, always, there's always one. Like, there's always something that I mess up in my slides. And, and there's always people who like to point that out in between services. Um, as their gift to me. There's always the grammar police. Right, Brian? Wherever Marcus is. <clears throat> to correct and serve. Anyway, Brian didn't point that out because he wasn't in the first service. You were sitting on it though, weren't you? Just waiting. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <clears throat> let's talk for a minute about missing the creator in the creation and redefining or using uh, the creation story to find glimpses of the Creator, which is why I think it was written and given to ancient human beings and to us today, is to first and foremost point to the Creator within the creation. Because that's a really important part of life, is to see the Creator within the creation. And so let me read Genesis 1. We'll start out there. First few verses of the Bible. <clears throat> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Now, just in that, you can see this incredible allusion to God's activity in life of separating out light from darkness. And as, as the ancient Jews would note, in the first words of the Bible, God separates out light from darkness and takes the rest of the scriptures to continue that activity of separating out light from darkness. And I hear them, you know, the ancient rabbis say, I'm like, oh, that's good stuff. That's really neat to think of the scriptures as a continuation of separating out light from darkness. But what I want you to see is the earliest allusions to the idea of a triune God, of, a, of, of the God who is, is, is multiple and yet one, uh, which is an incredibly uh, sophisticated expression of God. And it's right there baked into the first couple sentences in the Bible, and it would take thousands of years for that to unfold. Because we get the idea of the God who creates and who dreams up and, and creates from nothing, but then we also see allusions to the Spirit of God. 
that is hovering over the waters. And there's lots of neat things there because, because uh, not only is, uh, like the Spirit of God wasn't really unleashed in the earth until after the time of Jesus in the book of Acts, after the resurrection of Jesus and the start of the church. But there he is in the first couple sentences. There's also in Scripture, uh, in the New Testament, uh, a lot of connection between the presence of the Holy Spirit and the connection of the Holy Spirit and the believer at baptism. And there we see in the first chapters, the first words in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is kind of hovering around the waters. So you get this foreshadowing thousands of years before there was Christian baptism and the idea of the Holy Spirit at work in the world. And and there's the Holy Spirit in the picture of creation right from the beginning hovering over the waters. Now John does something really neat a couple thousand years later when he writes his gospel. He wants to connect Jesus with the creation story. So let me read to you from John chapter 1. And all the Gospels have their, um, have their uh, birth narratives, their genealogies, their beginning of Jesus' ministry narratives. And John chooses to do something a little extra like mystical and creative. He's going to start from the very beginning. And so take a look, John 1. In the beginning... So there we see in the beginning, and in the beginning, and every ancient Jew is making that connection. Oh, we're going back to Genesis. We're going back to the creation of the world. In the beginning was the Word. <clears throat> and the Word is John's nickname for Jesus. It means like reason, source, calibration, standard, whatever. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So now he's connecting Jesus with God of creation. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. See the creation connection there? Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it or understood it. Now, See all that, just the the connection there of light and darkness and creation and and in the beginning. And what what John is saying is is that he's he's making that triune language of now you have God the Father there, God the Son there, and God the Holy Spirit there. So we see in the creation story, the earliest idea is that that there is a personal God who's doing the creating. And this is important because I think one of the temptations, and it's often called the watchmaker theory, Let's just say you're, you're, you know, it's, it's the agnostic approach that there is a God, but we can't know him. And what the scriptures cry out is, no, there is a God, and, and he is very personal, so personal that he took on flesh, and the, 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 the creator became one of us. And so you just see this, this concept there from the very start, that it's, that it's written more to address the why and who question of creation than the how. And I think that we really miss, you know, we pull a Godzilla remake when we just try to take the creation story and, and, and find science. When really this is a, more like a love, be like mining a love letter for emotional science or whatever. This is a story about who we are, who God is, and why we're here. And this isn't the watchmaker who wound up creation and then went off. This is the God who was so involved that thousands of years after he gave us the creation story, John wants us to know, then he joined in his creation in flesh and blood.
So I think it's really important as followers of Jesus that one of the things we get right is this is not a story about science. This is a story about who made us and who we are and how we relate. Personally, I know that some people believe in a six-day literal creation and a 6,000-year-old earth, and, and, and that's fine. Other followers of Jesus believe in an old earth and, 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 and don't look to the creation story as, as a how God made it all, and I'm good with either. I have no need because I wasn't there, and I'm not going to be smart enough or choose to do enough legwork to understand the science of creation. That's not my thing. So honestly, I don't care. And I don't spend a lot of time trying to weigh it all out or get all stressed out when somebody's coming at it from this angle. I think it's a total false choice to say either you believe in the six-day, 6,000-year-old earth or you reject the Bible. Um, in my mind, God knew that ancient people weren't really bothered by DNA questions and couldn't have done anything useful with it. And instead, God says, here's the earth that I created. I'm still involved in it. It was created good. It was created for order. Those are the themes that God chose to stress in the creation story. And when we try to find other things, we we probably miss the creative intent of that story. All right, let me move on to a second concept here. Whereas the first concept of like removing God from his creation is probably something that, that, that's more relevant to people who are, are maybe a little further, further from, from God's intent for their life. This is a problem that I see in Christians and in churches, okay? And I certainly find myself in this problem as well, this second thing. And that is, followers of Jesus have a tendency at times to miss the gift of creation. We miss the gift that God gave us in this earth, here and now, and we do this in a couple ways. First of all, I think we miss the gift in creation when we treat this like a waiting room. Like, this is just the waiting room for heaven. This world is, is, is cursed and dark and, and, and useless and terrible. And just get me out of here. Get me out of here. <clears throat> and while you can look at scriptures and in the ancient writings of the church, and there was definitely a mindset of, man, I can't wait to see my God. Or as Paul would say, to die is gain. There is still plenty of themes in Scripture that today is a gift, and this earth is a gift, and God has purpose for us here and now. Jesus came saying, the kingdom of God is here at hand, and his prayer was for God's kingdom to come here and now. The idea is that a part of our role here is to make this world more lovable And to show people through this world and through our day here now, God's love. So rather than write off today and just blow off our lives to get to the next thing, 
We need to be aware that God has things for you here and now to do. And this day right now on this planet is sacred. The scriptures say this is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. <clears throat> I say that 10,000 times a day through January and February. <laughs> I hate it here. January and February. Like hate it. And it gets worse every year. And there are times where I realize, I, I think you're probably um, outside of God's desires for your attitude, dude, when I'm that grumpy all the time. Um, we need to find purpose and meaning in today and realize that this isn't just a waiting room. God has gifts for us here and now and wants us to enjoy this moment and find him in this moment and connect with him and connect with each other and show other people how to connect with him with the here and now. So one of the ways that I as a follower of Jesus, Jesus miss it is to write off the here and now. Okay, And there's a ton of evil in the world around us, and we're talking about nuclear war and everything else, and, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of oppression and terrible, evil stuff out there, but there's also a lot of really good, and God has a gift in the day for you and for me. Number two, followers of Jesus often miss God's call to care for the world and the environment. And it's obvious to me why. And this is because my liberal friends and brothers and sisters have led the way in caring for the environment. And my conservative friends tell themselves, if the liberals are for it, if they want to care for the earth, then I'm going to go make more plastic and burn some tires in the front yard, and it must be wrong. And you just see this rub of throwing the baby out with the bathwater because some policies and things and lifestyles and, and, and that's what they believe. They also believe this. And so, eh. And so here's the deal. I'm gonna, this, is, this is Genesis 2. 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And throughout the scriptures, you get these, you, you get these constant themes of, of, of caring for the planet, caring for animals, uh, proper distribution of resources. There are strong themes in scripture of ruling over the planet, bringing order. Again, distribution of resources. Um, and, and so this is where, listen, I don't have the answer that, like the, in terms of policies. It is complicated. My wife's in oil and gas and in, 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 um, in, in banking, and, and I know that, that it is complicated when you talk about, well, do this, well, then that does that. And I mean, you can kind of get into this, well, why, why, why would we do that when China and India are doing that? And I, I don't have any answers. What I'm talking about is, is an attitude. Like, we can have an attitude of this world is a gift, and we generally need to take care of it, or the heck with it. Screw the environment. Probably shouldn't use that word in church, but nothing else is coming to my mind. I, you, you know, I got the, I get credit because I paused and waited for some. I didn't have a, th I didn't have a th thesaurus. 
nor can I say that word well, um, but I just, there's this flippant attitude that I see in a lot of followers of Jesus where just, whatever, you, whatever word you want to insert there. We should be champions of caring for the earth. And I don't necessarily know what that means and how that, but, but our attitude should be this world is a gift from God. And we should lead the way in wanting to take care of it. We should not have the reputation of being exploiters, plunderers, pillagers of this planet. We should care for this planet as the gift from God that it is. All right, a few quick points of application. Number one, Take time to find the creator in creation and appreciate it. If this is not a regular part of your life, and even, even like secular, um, secular medicine, um, there's real benefit to being out in creation. And like the metro parks... Man, if you haven't made the Metro Parks a regular part of your spiritual renewal, um, they're a gem. As the weather starts to turn, and just spend some time in creation looking for expressions of God within creation, talking with God and expressing your gratefulness and, and, and appreciating the Creator and, and, and asking yourself, what does creation say about the Creator? Everything from God's creativity to um, the intricacies of how it all works together. Uh, there, there's so much of the Creator. The Scriptures talk about the, just the intangibles shouting out within creation pointing to the Creator, the word Paul even says there's no excuse to not see the Creator in the midst of His creation. And so if it's not a part of your life, even if it's like when, in the bad weather that we're going to have in the next eight weeks, just going to YouTube and, and getting some high-def creation images on the screen and, and, and some meditation time to connect with the God of creation through this gift of creation, that's an important part. For me, that's probably number one. That's one of the reasons I, I get so grumpy in winter is because one of my most important spiritual practices is, is, is connecting with God through his creation um, and celebrating the gift that is this earth to us. Secondly, Find something you can do to care for the creation. And I don't know, I mean, there's all kinds of different ideas. Even if it's as simple as, as picking up some trash in your neighborhood now that the snow's melted. Find some things that you can do to actively care for creation. I'm not good at this. When the recycling is too full of our two bins... I'll throw the plastic bottle in the trash. My wife yells at me all the time. Why can't you tell the difference between the... So I, I have room for improvement in this myself. But one of the ways that we can be obedient and express thankfulness is to find something we can do for the environment. I'll leave that up to you without a lot of suggestions, okay? And then finally, 
This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Take time to enjoy the day in the moment and not just wish the time away, wish your life away. Look forward only to getting out of here. Commit to finding God's activity, God's purposes in the day. Joy and a gift in the moment. In the midst of the terrible news, in the midst of the million stressors that you and I have going on, don't lose sight of the gift of the here and the now and fail to think about the opportunities we have to express gratefulness to God, to bless those around us, to connect with God, and to receive the gift of this day. We're going to close with one of the great hymns of all time. I love the hymn. It takes me back to Wesley United Methodist Church. And uh, most of you probably won't know this. And we're just going to just, just remain seated. If you want to sing along, sing along. Otherwise, just take in the, um, the incredible lyrics of this and, and connect with God through creation in your mind's eye through this moment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of creation and for the gift of your word, for demonstrating who you are to us in the midst of creation through your word. I pray that you would connect with us in deeper ways as we seek to find you and care for your creation. In Jesus' name, amen.